The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's absolutely no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Whether it's saying you're not going very far, it's uncomfortable. Well, all of that safety equipment in your car is designed to work around your seatbelt. The death rate is going way down because people use their seatbelts in automobile crashes. But if you don't use it, it's like you're putting yourself in a car with the safety of like a 1950s car. And what's more, not buckling up could cost you lots of money. Cops are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Man, what a series this was enjoyed it a ton on the nba cast it was everything really that i had hoped for in this series except that i thought Giannis. i don't know if he could have played a lot better actually maybe he just doesn't have the skill set too i had, had hoped that he could play better the bucks could be a little bit better offensively but it was just an absolute war two really athletic teams really well coached teams and the raptors win four straight in the series turning it from a 2-0 deficit when they looked dead very much reminiscent in some ways of the heat's 2006 win over dallas although the heat had three straight at home there because of the 2-3-2 format but where it was looking pretty bad even into game three they had the double overtime they managed to pull that out we thought the bucks were favorites in the series even at that point because the Raptors just were struggling to score but as it turned out their defense was just good enough to pull them through I thought Toronto's defense was excellent overall and we've talked about it a lot over the course of the year but the critical mass of length intelligence activity is extremely important the Raptors play very few minutes with bad defenders and even I I would say Norm Powell is probably the only guy that at this point in the rotation that I would even give that distinction to he had some mistakes throughout this series, but he's not playing it down. He was bringing a lot of offensive. And the real big change for me that's, that helped swing the series, there were a lot of different factors. And remember, a lot of these games were closed. So it's not like, oh, they flipped one switch and the series was over. Nothing like that. But putting Kawhi as the primary matchup on Giannis made life significantly harder on Giannis, especially because it corresponded with the adjustment of putting Pascal Siakam on Eric Bledsoe. And the Milwaukee Bucks in this game had an 87 offensive rating in the half court and that I think that's first shots because I'm using cleaning glasses measure and they never really solved that riddle you know like Chris Middleton had a had a big game in game five they had a few other guys that had pockets but once they made those adjustments the equilibrium in the series was fundamentally yeah and you thought maybe that Giannis would just be able to overpower Kawhi but they sent so many bodies his way they double teamed him he struggled in this game had 21 points but it took him 23 shooting possessions to do it and I thought the other thing that really stood out to me was 
the Bucks got out executed in crunch time after game one in this series in part because Giannis really was not able to be the primary engine of their half court offense and more credit for that though goes to this fabulous Raptors defense as you alluded to I mean even someone like Marcus Gasol who is huge was just making the right rotation every time leaving it all out there in terms of running shooters off the line forcing them into help over and over again Siakam was huge there Ibaka had a good series Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet yeah the two shortest guys on the floor the two least athletic guys on the floor just showed up in the lane time and time again still closed out to shooters knew exactly when to help it was really just a a wonderful performance from the Raptors and they will go into the NBA Finals I want to bring up a point here Fred Van Vliet did not grab a rebound in this game Fred Van Vliet was such an unbelievable box out guy he was off like he had a few box outs on Brooke Lopez who has almost a foot on him maybe more than a foot I, I don't know what Van Vliet's listed measurement is and the way that those Raptors guards battled for loose balls contested whether they were guarding somebody who was bigger than them stronger than them whatever it made a huge difference in this series yeah I mean those guys are just absolute bulldogs they're strong they get low I mean some of those box outs on Brooke Lopez where he just like took out Lopez's knees and just put him under the backboard like a guy who's six foot and like 195 is really just an incredible heart from the Raptors are you disappointed in the box in this series yes not dramatically so I'm sure there will be a lot of hand-wringing remember how great the Bucks were in the regular season and Giannis is the deserving regular season MVP this year that hasn't changed yeah. but and he, he proved his worth on defense certainly oh man he was awesome. that, what, since I'm thinking of it right now had this gone differently that block on Kawhi was spectacular I mean that was one of the best blocks that I can yeah. that I can remember it, unfortunately for Giannis and for the the record books it went like right to Pascal Siakam and Siakam got to put it or was Ibakum one of the two of them and so it, it was Siakam it was Siakam and so it, it doesn't you know it's kind of like when a guy shakes somebody and then misses misses the ensuing shot where it didn't produce the same thing but that was an amazing highlight and yeah I mean Giannis's growth from being an intriguing and capable defender all the way to being number two on defensive player of the year for both of our regular season ballots and then living up to that I would say in the playoffs is a huge development and now he just needs he still needs a little bit more work offensively and I thought another important part offensively you and I talked about I mean we did the NBA cast for five of these six games was that they needed other ball handlers to step up and I thought this was you know another rough game in a rough series for Eric Bledsoe offensively and then he had some defensive problems too yeah he lost to Van Vliet a couple of times Van Vliet was just awesome again shooting the ball as well I think he finished up 14 of 17 from the three-point line in the last three games of the series I mean he knew he was just bombing it in this one he he had so much confidence well well, and not only what the 14 to 17 is extremely important but the the prologue here is is as well so he didn't he made one total three in the Philadelphia series he made two after game one of the Orlando series and then in the first three games of this one he was two for 11 and then comes on house of fire three of three in game four seven of nine in game five four of five in game six but uh, back to the bucks a lot of people are gonna say this is a disappointment yeah you're the number one seed you lose that's definitely a disappointment you blow a 2-0 lead you lose yeah that's definitely a disappointment but take a step back here I think the Raptors have by far the more talented roster I, I, and Milwaukee doesn't have anyone as good as Serge 
Ibaka coming off their bench at the big man spot. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, George Hill was awesome in these playoffs, but Fred Van Vliet has been much better than him uh, over the last two years. Kyle Lowry is a better player than Eric Bledsoe. Danny Green, although he had a really rough last few games, and he was 0 for 4 on four open threes in this game and only played 14 minutes, but Danny Green has been a, a great two-way player on the wing uh, for years. You know, he, he's probably better than anyone that Toronto had in that kind of straight three and D role. Uh, and Kawhi was better than Giannis. I mean, that's kind of what it boiled down to there also. Toronto was more experienced. They're a smarter team. And Kawhi just outplayed Giannis. He guarded Giannis, held him down, admittedly with a ton of help. And then he was able to have just a little bit more of a versatile scoring game. And not only that, I mean, he out-hustled the Raptors down the stretch of games in this series. You think of game three where he scored the final eight points in double overtime, got a couple of steals, some of the offensive rebounds that he got, you know, two key offensive rebounds in both of these fourth quarters in games five and six like somehow he was able to summon the energy despite playing more minutes than all of the bucks guys to not only be the offensive engine every single time but to out hustle milwaukee when it counted and so I, I think ultimately this was a more talented Raptors roster. That's why we said at the start of the year, the Raptors, you know, did you pick the Raptors to win the conference at the start of the year? I forgot. No. Oh, uh, Bo- did you pick Boston? I actually, I don't, I think I did pick Boston. I don't remember for sure. Um, I picked um, and I picked Toronto at the beginning of the playoffs, but switched it after the second round. And, you know, I think the talent margin, it, I, it is a fair argument to make me, I, you know, didn't mention Middleton that I think Middleton's a wonderful player. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he was an all-star but even Chris Middleton probably to me is not as good a player as Kyle Lowry overall certainly Middleton's a better score but I think mm-hmm. Lowry is better uh, Middleton has played better in the playoffs but I mean like Kyle Lowry has been an all-star for the last five years and deservedly so Middleton just made it this year and you know he was wouldn't have made it in the West certainly but I think where the the point about talent is well taken but the other place that you can turn it to is just and I'm not criticizing John Horse or anybody for this is that Toronto's roster because of their depth and because of the skill sets of the guys they have involved it seemed more conducive to me to being able to counterpunch and being able to react because one of the key questions in any playoff series is what can you do if the other team takes away or reduces or whatever something that you do really well ideally your best thing and the bucks their best thing you know like Giannis just being a freight train hadn't really been stopped by anybody you know like that it, it it was it wasn't an undeniable force but it was pretty dang close and they just they didn't have it whether you want to say that's Eric Bledsoe you know being afraid to shoot and that gumming up the works or not really you know Brogdon not being that type of creator Middleton had some really nice passing moments in the series but he's not the like the offensive linchpin he's he's an important piece but not that type of guy whereas Toronto they were able to you know scratch and claw their way they also have Kyle Lowry who had another nice game here and I think they they just had more options more pathways to success outside of what they do best and you need those against the defense as good as both of these defense so we'll have much time to talk about the offseason for milwaukee as well let's get into the meat of this game a game that the bucks twice led uh by 15 points 38 23 and then 76 61 the raps got back into contact they trailed it by as little as three late in the first half then uh, the bucks came on to extend the lead out early in the third got it back up to that 76 
61 score. Ursan Ilyasova was hitting the jump shot early. He played. Miritich did not play a single minute in this game after getting a DNP in the second half of game five. That certainly uh, could, must not have sat well with him going into free agency. And he didn't earn it with his play because he wasn't hitting shots. And, you know, maybe they should have given him more of a chance to, to shoot them out of it. Ilyasova played well in the first half, uh, less so in the second half. What stuck out to you, though, as Milwaukee built uh, their leads in you know really the first three quarters of this game well in the early part of the game really so before that third quarter run milwaukee was dominating the possession part of this toronto didn't have a single offensive rebound until i think it was midway through the third quarter the turnover battle was pretty close and then in that third quarter the bucks started pouring it on from the free throw line and the raptors had some real self-inflicted wounds there they were committing a lot of non-shooting fouls when milwaukee was in the bonus and some of them were you know you're trying to get a strip you're trying to get you know trying to get in the way and that you have to change your your risk calculus when the other team is in the bonus because all of a sudden instead of it being a side out and maybe add some time to the shot clock it's two free throw and so those i thought were some some big takeaways also milwaukee hitting just a ton of threes in the early going and then not converting them at the same rate either in terms of six field goal percentage or i believe in terms of frequency in the late going i thought those were that was another key factor yeah it was and you thought maybe it was going to take on the same tenor as game five but in reverse where they couldn't hit from two but they're hitting everything from three their defense was much better to start toronto only had five three-point attempts in the first quarter when they scored only 18 points milwaukee led 31 to 18 after the first largely on the strength of that excellent three-point shooting milwaukee did a pretty good job on Kawhi leonard in the first half and they weren't doing the let's just go crazy forcing him left strategy anymore because he really had figured out how to attack that and they put Kawhi on the right side of the floor basically every time in part to take that strategy away because the problem was in game five when they forced him left he would attack the top foot and then get a ton of room to go left right into the middle of the lane and so they didn't want to give that up anymore and seemed to be doing a little bit better job on him especially in the first half well they did but one area where Kawhi started getting into rhythm and and I saw it early was something you see in a long series Kawhi figured out the time in the distance on Brook Lopez. And I thought that was a key part in Kawhi getting into a rhythm relatively early on. He ended up 8 of 14 on two-pointers, and only one of those shots was at the rim. It was that lefty dunk that really helped. Yeah, one of the made shots. The other, the, the yes. block dunk was at the rim, too. That's true. Yeah, and, and so I thought that him timing up Lopez, you know, he's such a, he's so long, but he tries to give space. And Kawhi figured out his shooting pocket, figured out his window, and was able to take those shots. I think he had... It was something like three or four on Lopez in a pretty small sample size in the early going. And they ended up being able to go to that at little moments. And I mean, also, of course, Kawhi getting the line. Yeah, and they did not go towards the switching except when they were just forced into the late switch, uh, at least with Lopez. Ilyasova did switch more and he he got lit up there again. Lowry's offensive game in this series, I thought deserved a ton of credit. And now with Leonard taking the reins of the offense in a way that DeMar DeRozan never was able to, even an older Lowry was able to fit into a complimentary role and also having Pascal Siakam as another guy who could take some shots. Lowry as the initiator of the offense, pushing it in transition, screen setter, three-point shooter, and just opportunistic attacker in the half court worked much better in the series. He had a very efficient series because he wasn't being asked to, to do too much. Three of four from three, he hit two huge threes 
in a row uh during that crazy 26 to 3 run and let's let's turn to that now i know you did a little bit of work on how ridiculous that run actually was yeah it was it was a huge swing and i think something that came up in the nba cast and when you're watching the game in that fashion talking about it that struck me was the difference in shot quality and that's location but it's also having a hand in the face and so during that run which was from about the two and a half minute mark of third quarter to the six and a half minute mark fourth milwaukee only got one shot in the paint that was one in the restricted area and then they got two mid-rangers they took a bunch of threes most of them were contested and milwaukee only got to the free throw line for two free throws which Giannis split during that same window Kawhi alone but he was the only raptor who took free throws he had six free throws so just on free throws he made more he scored more points than the bucks there but then toronto four of five in the restricted area three of three from floater range so they were getting to the basket getting around the basket and i thought the looks were materially better and it is yeah that that some of that feedback loop stuff as well where when you're getting stops you're getting comparatively better looks on on offense and when you're scoring on offense you don't have to face transition defense or face transition offense nearly as much those things were part of it but also toronto was just doing an excellent job executing and making everything hard for yeah and you're just if the honest stuff isn't working you're like all right where do you go middleton iso yeah maybe they could have gone to that a, a little bit more he was so good at, in game four started off with two open threes early in this one and then you know really was not a factor after that maybe they could have done more to get him going he finished five out of 13 for 14 points he did go four of eight from three but they weren't getting him any kind of those mid-range looks from two-point range brooke lopez posting up i mean i guess especially if gasol is out of the game maybe that could have worked but lopez is not a great passer i don't know that he would have done any better with these double teams than Giannis did pick and roll they just don't really have a great pick and roll game especially because they want to play that five out style maybe they could have gone to more pick and roll especially side pick and roll with Giannis I, I know that's something that was suggested the numbers on that were crazy they didn't really go to that much uh but yeah I mean it was just such a stout Raptors defense and and so good at helping they fed off the crowd noise finally it got off the schneid offensively Kawhi had some wonderful assists but it was still a five point buck league going into the fourth quarter and then Kawhi sat for almost four minutes and during that period the Raptors uh, continued their run and actually took the lead by by two so that was another missed opportunity they had Giannis uh, on the floor and what do you make of the the criticism that Giannis didn't play enough in this game he played 41 minutes he was actually plus three they lost by six their depth was a a little compromised with really Lopez the only defensive big they seem to have much trust in they were giving him like four three four rests a half and just getting him right back in as soon as he'd gotten a rest I don't I don't know what to believe on that I think probably you try to try to push him out just a another couple of minutes if you can even though you know when he was going out they'd have him out basically for one stoppage and bring him back in a lot of times and maybe you just push him harder knowing that it's a it's a must win and at a minimum you just you want to go down guns blazing I mean, you don't know whether he's capable of playing that many minutes or not and you do know that they lost the game with him not playing quite as many minutes but it's uh, i mean 41 minutes is still a pretty good number for a guy who's essentially a big man in a well, lot of ways and, and who are and they're high stress minutes 
I mean, remember how hard he's working defensively and then offensively, he's banging a lot. He's He has the ball in his hands a lot. And Giannis in this one, he only played one fewer minute than Pascal Siakam. Siakam played 41-30, Giannis played 40-32. Those were the, the, the leading, well, Gian, Giannis actually finished four seconds behind Chris Middleton for the most minutes on the Bucks in this game. If he could push it, but another thing to remember, I don't think this, I didn't see it affecting him very much, but, I'm, uh, but he did turn his ankle late in game five as well. And that was two days ago. So if that was limiting him at all, the, I, I do like the idea of shorter rests, shorter, but more frequent rest because gives, gives the guy, guys a little bit more time, like a little bit more frequent recoveries. I, I'm guessing, I'm sure there are smart sports science people that have gone into this kinesiology, every, everything along those lines. But my instinct is that that makes some sense. Yeah. Maybe if you could have cut one of those breaks out, it would have been helpful, especially because the Bucks didn't have a lot of other guys in place, but I don't think that was like the reason they lost this this game necessarily. And it's also worth noting that we had been critical, justifiably so, about Brooke Lopez not playing enough. He played 34 minutes in this game. I have no problem with him. I think that was that was about as much as you could. Yeah, and he was also negative 11, so you can't say that like him not playing more cost them necessarily. Yeah, he was on the floor for some of that run, which is really where a lot of those negative plus minuses yeah. came from. Um, you got to give the Bucks credit though. Toronto, after that 26-3 run, led it. 87-79 and a quick 7-0 burst from Milwaukee it got them back into contact a couple of in and out threes in a row one from Siakam set up by Leonard and then another Leonard three over Brogdon both spun out the Bucks got transition after that a, a Lopez three-point play keyed it in that so they're back within one and that Lowry hit a huge shot to quell that run one of his rare off the dribble attacks that he backed it out and then left to right crossover and semi-transition got in for a floater over Lopez you mentioned Kawhi getting the measure of Lopez and it seemed like that all of the Raptors as the series went on you know they're really getting surprised by Lopez the first two three games inside just how big he is and then they're able to get an understanding of when they could get their shot off uh, on him around the rim so that was a huge play uh, by Lowry and then that led into what I thought was was a really big sequence so Giannis misses a shot but Lopez gets the rebound and they hadn't gotten many offensive rebounds over the last about 12 minutes of action from the from the middle of the third quarter to the middle of the fourth gets the put back so then now it's a one-point game and then for the second time in game six Marcus Gasol who only took three shots in this entire game he is wide wide open from the right corner and just drills that three pushes the margin back up well and that's something I want to talk about too you know Kawhi who's getting penetration in high pick and roll they had Giannis on Gasol and Lopez because he's a little less mobile guarding Siakam and Siakam not as much of a threat from three in their judgment which was correct but Kawhi did a great job of getting to his spot getting double teamed and then actually pivoting through the double team so he could get his momentum going to the opposite side and get a great look at the opposite side so he set up a, a couple of Siakam shots with that and set up that one of the few times he actually got forced left but he was able to step through and get that shot all the way to the corner for Gasol who, who was wide open yeah that that was a huge one uh and then similar action the next time down Kawhi gives it up gets back out to the Kawhi corner and gets another fortuitous bounce off the front rim off the backboard and though he had a couple that really that spun out earlier in the quarter uh but I mean I think you got to give him credit for those bounces because he has like two of those a game that like hit the front rim bounce up and go in it's just something about 
his shot maybe the backspin or something that those short shots have a pretty good sh- chance of bouncing in for him for whatever reason and that Kawhi three felt like a huge shot it was a huge shot but then it got back to a single possession game pretty quickly because George Hill after a Brook Lopez corner three missed corner three George Hill runs in and Pascal Siakam basically has to choose who he wants to box out he boxes out I believe it was Brogdon might have been Middleton yeah, it was Brogdon and then Hill just flies in jumps in and gets the big tip dunk and so it becomes a three-point game when it had been five but then that evaporates pretty quickly too yeah and I thought during that period there's a possession with the Raps uh up five this is after the Kawhi dunk attempt that got blocked and then the, the Siakam putback is at 97-92 and I mean the Bucks would score two more points the rest of the game I mean they're down the stretch offense again was just really really bad uh but there's a play where Giannis was open off a pick and roll right at the dotted line nobody on him and just didn't have that shot in his back you know he doesn't have a floater he couldn't really get all the way to the rim because Gasol was laying back he had a couple of chances where you know he's getting penetration right into the paint and just doesn't have that shot available to him you know he doesn't have the pull-up jumper doesn't have the floater in his bag doesn't really have like a hook shot outside of like two feet and you know those aren't the most efficient shots in basketball and the bucks were built this season on not taking shots from those areas but when you're wide open at the dotted line like you need to be able to have some way to score the ball from there and just not let someone wait for you right under the rim essentially the way whoever was guarding him uh, often did a lot of times that was gasol off a switch or, or in a help situation and you know that possession he passes it out and they end up getting an impossible fadeaway three from middleton that didn't hit anything yeah and then that was uh, after that play, that's when Kawhi got that and got another big offensive rebound. But then the ball went out of bounds off of him, so it wasn't. I mean, it still seemed like the game was pretty close to over. And then it, it took a little yeah. bit of time and some interminable reviews to be damn sure. Yeah, it was. A- they didn't have to use a timeout during that first review, but they set up a play similar to what Golden State runs at the end of the quarters, which they, they call fist up, which is basically a pick and roll in concert with a shooter being screened out to the corner. The idea being that you're worried as the big man whose guy is setting the screen about maybe getting out to the corner, you're distracted by that. The pick and roll comes and then the roll man will be wide open or the guy in the corner will be wide open. But the Bucks or the Raptors just defended it absolutely perfectly that Gasol again you know this is just the he has impressed me so much in these playoffs with his ability to get out on the floor despite his overall lack of mobility and you would look at him as one of the slowest players in the NBA but he still was out there competing out on the floor he switches out onto Middleton denies him and then Siakam switches onto Lopez the Bucks timing on it just wasn't perfect they probably should have waited just a little bit longer to start the floppy action and so when George Hill who was in the game for Bledsoe late through the alley-oop Siakam was able to come off of Lopez after having just switched onto him and knock away the alley-oop pass it was really fantastic work and the Bucks did get two more Lopez free throws but they never got it back to a, a one possession game with the ball at that point um the Bucks did have a chance though to get a stop and a chance to tie it with 29.6 left after those Lopez free throws they elected to defend uh what did you think of, of that choice with a 5.6 second difference I'm good with it. It's a challenge because if you, you know, if you basically get anything other than a stop and a defensive rebound, it it's basically over. That ended up being what happened. But you're fouling and giving up two shots. And unless somebody who's a terrible free throw shooter gets the ball, and in most circumstances, especially if the team thinks there's a chance you're fouling, they will get the ball to their best free throw shooters. It's it's hard to come back that way. I, I, 
I think I might be a little bit more ambivalent on this than you are, but I still think dot fouling is the right call, especially with as good as their defense. Yeah, I think with 5.6 left and the timeout, they actually had two. It's just dead bang obvious that you don't follow. I mean, you can advance the ball. You've got five seconds left. At least it's in your hands, right? You can get a stop and you can get a shot up to tie the game. You go into the foul game, almost certainly you're going to be down by two possessions, even if they hit one. And now you're in, a, then you're in a situation where you got to play the foul game again. Why not just keep it in your own hands and actually you, you can get a, a shot up to tie it. But as it turned out, they weren't able to do that. With six on the shot clock, about 12 seconds left in the game, Siakam just slipped along the baseline and Kawhi I mean this is easily the best two game playmaking stretch of his career he had a career high nine assists last game seven this game and you know a bunch of other really nice passes too where they couldn't convert and this this was one of them actually Siakam sneaks along the baseline Kawhi dimes him up Lopez was supposed to be on him I guess he just lost track of him. it looked like he was like talking to Giannis and trying to communicate something to him and just didn't see Siakam so he flashes on the baseline he's open misses the layup but it hit the underside of the rim and for some reason they didn't reset the shot clock maybe they thought it hit the bottom of the backboard but that could have been a big error because then toronto had to inbound again after they fixed the shot clock error and almost turned it over once first they had to take a timeout then they had uh Kawhi got denied and middleton knocked it out of bounds and then gasol had to throw a very dicey pass into siakam it was actually a really accurate pass behind him because he saw bledsoe coming over and bledsoe fouled siakam siakam hit one and then to add insult to injury Kawhi gets the offensive rebound over three bucks they put in Ilya sova to rebound in addition to lopez and Giannis. and Kawhi shoves Giannis out of the way gets the rebound fouled hits two and then to add even more insults blocked chris middleton's meaningless last three-pointer try and uh it was a 100 to 94 final in the end yeah so now we we're not going to preview it obviously at this point we have plenty of time for that but where we get an nba finals that is fascinating i mean we're good one of the key developments that's going to happen over the ensuing five days is the availability health-wise of a few different golden state warriors that's going to be a huge factor the game inter game one will be the first nba finals game outside of the united states of america that's a huge thing for the nba and more importantly for the toronto raptors their first nba finals game and to host it i think it's going to be a really really cool moment and i'm sure there are going to be people that use this as an opportunity and it is a, a worthwhile lens to talk about the 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 risk that masai ujiri took and this is why he made that move uh, that said this was the right move trading for Kawhi leonard especially because they got danny green the deal and didn't give up that much to make it happen it was the right move even if they got knocked out in the first round this makes it look better but it was the right move no matter what yeah and for the bucks they go into a fraught offseason now if they make the finals it probably looks a lot better for them now i mean miritich probably wasn't going to get brought back anyway due to financial concerns but you know the way it ended for him can't leave a good taste in his mouth lopez they're limited in what they can offer him next year to the mid-level exception maybe the mini mid-level middleton will have probably multiple max offers in the end george hill not really going to be able to bring him back uh, unless he takes a very low salary and Brogdon uh, will be a restricted free agent who will certainly be in demand as well. And a, a report from Malika Andrews, pre-written in advance uh, of the anticipated Bucks demise in this game, saying that a, a league source says that making the finals in 2020 would be what would push Giannis to sign that designated player veteran extension. And he is eligible for it. We know that he will be eligible for it, having made All-NBA two years in a row. He's probably going to win MVP this year. But he can't actually sign it until the summer of 2020 when he has 
seven years of experience and so that will hang over the bucks offseason this year also worth noting tim bontem's report that if the bucks made the finals ownership would have an appetite for the luxury tax perhaps in part because they would get as many as four nba finals games to add to their coffers that's not going to happen now they're not going to get a game seven either this is a, a team that has been very luxury tax averse in the past not that there was necessarily a reason to pay it so is this enough is this Giannis? hey we got to make the finals next year is that a shot across the bow of ownership of hey you better pay up to keep all these guys and then that's hurdle number one hurdle number two is well what else happens in the east you know is this raptors team come back philly boston are they going to form a, a super team the the knicks uh that's hurdle number two who's their competition going to be and then hurdle number three is are these guys going to be good enough going forward and i think Giannis this series after he was able to completely overwhelm the celtics who me uh they failed against last year he's got a lot of stuff on his to-do list the free throw line was a major problem for him in the series five of ten again tonight the mid-range jump shot he actually looked very smooth with the jumper tonight it was really more of the around the basket stuff that was a problem for him uh posting up dealing with double teams maybe some kind of a, a floater sort of game something that he can do to be the guy that they go to at the end of games i think in particular late in playoff games because they don't have that guy and they're not going to get that guy unless it's going to be him ultimately and so he's gonna to have to find a way to beat some of these strategies that, that the raptors again uh, this this raptors defense is just awesome like i it, i mean failing against this raptors defense is no shame but that's the type of defenses you're going against at, at the absolute highest levels that said there is also a distinct possibility that while there could be really good teams in these this year that there's nobody as well suited to beating these bucks as this year's raptors if they don't bring it back and so that's another you know that's not something horse can plan for and Giannis should work on his game in the offseason as if you know he works on the priorities that are that are there but we've talked about this a lot in the west you know the the Houston Rockets are an example of this there are a few other teams that you know they might not be facing the same Warriors next year it could be the same in the east and there there will be time to talk about it later on but how Kawhi Leonard the one of the most enigmatic players I can I've covered in in terms of his public statements and just trying to get a read on him how he interprets these results are going to be fascinating as well and he has more results to interpret yeah absolutely and and just looking back in the these east playoffs philly what if they have a healthy joel Embiid? you know they could they win that game four where Kawhi was just so unbelievable in the second half they could have closed out that series in six they could have been here against the bucks maybe they would even have been in the finals boston you lost in five to a team that didn't even make it to a seventh game ultimately in the east finals so what does that mean for you going forward they obviously need significant reinforcements in theory so yeah a lot of this was matched up pace i I think the raptors the reason i picked them in this series was i I thought that ultimately they had more answers for Giannis than milwaukee had for Kawhi. i think that's part of why the series went the way it did and i just was so enamored of this raptors defense and just how good Kawhi had been and i was trying not to suffer from recency bias in where the raptors shot it so poorly from three i mean they ended up 12 out of 20 from three again in this game and they shot a great percentage from three over these last four games or so and they shot it so poorly in the philly series that's maybe something that mike goodnoser is gonna have to look at now the philosophy like all right is this barricading the rim philosophy good enough defensively against teams that really are fantastic shooting teams and you know that you have a, a 
at this level i wouldn't say that this was a defensive failure by any means for the bucks in the series it was more of an offensive failure but you know you can still defend better in theory and ultimately eh, i guess toronto ended up with a 115 offensive rating in this game so it was just super slow pace to get to the 100 so maybe maybe it was more of a, a defensive failure than i'm giving credit for here but uh and i also apologize to myself for doubting my own pick when it went to 2-0 but obviously it wasn't looking good for toronto at that point um anything else to add on just the series or just what what stuck out to you here but before we wrap up well i mean it was it was nice to see toronto's like kind of role players is over is is understating it for some of these guys but to see them step up i mean van vliet had had such a disastrous playoffs and was gargantuan during the stretch and you want everybody to have an opportunity to shine i thought that that was important the team defense norm powell had some real moments in this series as well and yeah another malign guy who looked like a, a decent extension for him and, and then uh he lost his spot to Ananobi last year and wasn't really as high in the rotation this year but what a great luxury to have right i mean he probably he may have won them game three you know i mean that that was just, that was a guy who was like an afterthought in their rotation coming into the year and he was the, their eighth man he was really good in this series speaking of malign guys i am absolutely fascinated to find out what danny green's role is in the nba finals i mean he was Keith Bogans in this closeout game of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I, I really, I, I continue to love Danny Green's defense, help defense man-to-man. And that is exceedingly important against their next opponent. He also just, I mean, the threes he was missing early were just crushing. And especially when Milwaukee was building this lead and Toronto, I mean, they could be seen, they're pointing to, we're creating the right shots. You know, he, he had two just bricked wide open threes. I think Siakam had one as well. And I think Van Vliet will have will f- find tougher sledding in the next series than he did against the Bucks. But how Nick Nurse manages this rotation in a in a new series in a new ecosystem, though they will have home court, and that will be interesting as well. I, I'm I'm wondering where that's going to go. Yeah, I'm interested to see if OG is going to be back too. But we yes. have lots of time. Oh, I have one other thing I want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, and this is something that I do think we can rehash a little bit at this point, which is Nick Nurse being so diligent over the course of this season with resting Kwilin and yeah I mean the, the whole organization Alex McKechnie and everybody Masai and, and yeah no absolutely because he you know playing 41 minutes in a conference finals remember these conference finals because the last round went so damn long both conference finals were every other game the whole way and guys these are maybe not the fastest games depending on which one we're talking about but extremely high stress high leverage minutes Kawhi averaged 41 in the series because he played 52 in game three the double overtime game and yeah and the philly series he was playing 42 minutes a game too mm-hmm. and so you have those that that workload and the i think the only way to make that reasonably possible was to balance that out over the course of the season that you know i, I don't think they were going to get the one seed either way but to have that consistency of vision and to be honest it, it might affect his fr- free agency mentality that they were so cool with that and even though they were integrating new players and everything else to make sure that he was right and i think they reaped the rewards yeah and scratch another one onto the coffin of the regular season meaning anything at this point too let's hope uh, adam silver was serious when he's saying they're, they're actually going to look at reducing it because i mean the, the the warriors yeah they got the number one seed but they were uh you know going half speed basically this whole regular season and so were the raptors and you know the raptors did well enough to still get home court advantage against the warriors and the, you know the bucks took it pretty easy down the end too but really uh, it, it's it seems like if you're a good team at this point you know really a title contender you know one of the five six title contending teams where you know really the seating doesn't matter that 
much for you you know you're gonna have to play good teams that eventually you know you're not like a denver or portland where like the seeding can make all the difference in the first round or something like that just don't take the regular season seriously folks like there's just no reason to anymore which is kind of a shame for those of us who follow the regular season very closely but it is what it is at this point it may not change uh all right we will be back plenty more content got some draft scouting reports coming this week more offseason outlooks as well start getting into some of these interesting teams including of course the milwaukee bucks this week and that'll all lead into the nba cast we'll be doing the toronto games for that so please join us nine eastern six pacific on thursday and uh we'll talk to you all later this week till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply